Social analysts tell us that we have five generations living right now, five generations gathered together to worship God today. And that makes it a little challenging for a pastor to make sure that she or he is trying to address people of different generations. Some of you watch TikTok videos regularly. Some of you aren't sure what TikTok is. And some of you fall somewhere in between that. I realized that I wanted my opening illustration today to be about one of my favorite comic strips, Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes, and that some of you don't know what a comic strip is. You didn't grow up getting newspapers. You don't know that there were these, what I would call, cartoon drawings, a series of them, of these images, and you could read them week after week. So take my word that in the olden days, when I was a child, this was the case. And on the weekends, you could see them in color and not black and white. But before I go too far, let me tell you a little bit about Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin's a little boy who is mischievous and I'll just leave it. He's mischievous. And he has a stuffed tiger named Hobbes. Now, in Calvin's presence alone, Hobbes has the ability to come to life and to speak to him. But when he's in the presence of adults, he does not. So, one day, Calvin comes home from school and says, I hate school assignments. Miss Kirkwood is out to destroy my life. And Hobbes calmly asks, what do you have to do? Make a leaf collection. What a waste of time. How many leaves do you need? Fifty. And they all have to be a different kind. When do you need it? In two weeks. Well, that's not so bad. Hobbes says you just need to collect three to four leaves per day. I'm not working on weekends. Okay, five leaves a day. Calvin objects to every single suggestion Hobbes makes, which means that Calvin ultimately doesn't bother getting started on his leaf collection until the night before it's due, and he's in a panic. He tries to persuade his mother to take him to the arboretum so he can gather leaves there, and she's cooking supper. She's not aware of his plan. She's not aware of his project, and so she soundly tells him, no, she's not going to, and in desperation, he goes out and gathers 50 types of, or 50 maple leaves and cuts them into different designs and then tries to tell his teacher the next day that a UFO came down and that these are leaves from another planet. <laughs> his teacher is not persuaded that he is telling the truth and so he does not pass this assignment. Later, Calvin is complaining bitterly to Hobbes that it's all his mother's fault. If his mother had just taken him to that arboretum, he would have been able to pass, to have a passing grade on this leaf collection. And Hobbes points out to him that it was Calvin's fault. 
due to his habit of putting off assignments until the very last minute. While this comic strip series focused on Calvin's inability to develop and implement practical planning skills, the reality is for many of us, no matter our age, the development and of practical planning skills doesn't come easily. And this makes sense if you stop and think about it. Our days are hectic. We often race from one place to the next. Our minds are overwhelmed by nonstop activity, both in person and online. We rarely get a chance to slow down, breathe, and put some real thought into what we want, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. That's part of what led me to offer this sermon series entitled The Path. This series is designed to remind us that God created us for a reason. We have a purpose and a calling, and God invites us to use the abilities that God has given us to develop our talents and our gifts to help others. That is the broad calling that applies to each of us. How we live it out, how we are salt and light in the world may differ from person to person. God has built into creation the ability to envision our desired future and to develop a plan to take the necessary steps to achieve that vision. We see this in the story of Joseph, and we also see it when we step back and take a broad look at creation itself. I'm going to talk about how ants achieve this a little bit later. Well, actually right now as I look at my notes. Before Dr. Henry Cloud was Dr. Henry Cloud, when he was still a graduate student, he had a hard time focusing so that he could complete his dissertation. There were just so many other things that he found that he wanted to do. He was a little bit like Calvin. Why do that which he didn't enjoy? Why discipline himself? And so one day his advisor told him that he needed to spend time watching ants. Now, Dr. Cloud thought this was an unusual recommendation from his advisor, but he decided to do this, and he watched ants for a period of time and realized they started off with just raw material, sand, dirt, whatever it was, and out of these grains of matter, they constructed entire cities, levels. And he, as he watched them, he thought, hmm, all they are doing is moving one piece of matter to another. But they have a vision, they have structure, they have a plan, and so they're able to create something out of virtually nothing. What are the action steps that I need to take? What are the grains of matter I need to move in order to write my dissertation? And as he pondered this, he developed a plan and became Dr. Henry Cloud. This is what the ants did. This is what Dr. Henry Cloud did. And it's also what Joseph did when he was figuring out how to protect the people from the famine that was coming in seven years. In the passage that Reverend Jared read, you heard that 
Joseph interpreted these dreams of Pharaoh, two dreams, but with the same message, that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And because of his ability to interpret the dream for Pharaoh, Pharaoh decided to put him in charge of developing the plan that would harvest the grain during the seven years of plenty so that people would not starve during the seven years of famine. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon about the importance of vision, our preferred state of the future that is compelling enough to get us out of bed of the morning. And before we develop our strategy and our plan, we have to be clear about what our vision is. If our vision is unclear, it's more difficult for us to move forward. Parents, sure you know this, you could probably teach this to me, but one of the ways to help our children or anyone with their vision is to ask why until they are able to name the why behind the goal that they are setting. For example, I want to get an A in math class. Why? Well, because I want to do well in school and make you happy. Why? Well, Doing well in school will make it easier for me to get a job later, or math is something that I know that I will always use, or maybe doing well in school will help me get, doing well in school now will help me get into a good school later. But once they know why they want to achieve the objective, once we know why we want to achieve an objective, it makes it easier for us to be focused. The underbelly of any strategy is our plan, and having a plan simply means deciding when we're going to do what activity. If we want to drive to the beach for spring break, our first step might be determining to which beach we are headed, what day we're going to leave, where we're going to stay, what we're going to do while we are there, when we are returning, etc. If our goal is to lower our blood pressure, we may develop a plan that means lowering our sodium intake, walking more, you know, basically following the advice that the doctor gets, gives us, put it, developing a plan that puts it into practice. If our goal is to raise our grades, then we may determine what days we're going to set aside to study, what we're going to give up, while we study to bring up our grade, whether or not we need outside help, how we might access that outside help. And if we actually take the next step of putting activities in our calendar and developing a flowchart, then we are more likely to get from here to there, to be among that 6% that I mentioned earlier. To go back to our scripture reading, if you'll indulge me in speculation, for Joseph, a plan might have been, on Sundays through Tuesdays, we are going to harvest and dispense grain. On Wednesdays through Fridays, we are going to harvest and store grain. This, of course, being during the years of plenty. This, our strategy gives us the direction that we are going to go. In this case, storing grain so people won't starve, and our plan helps us figure out how we're actually going to pull off our strategy. 
Having a compelling vision, a clear strategy, and a well-defined plan enables us to overcome setbacks and eliminate distractions as they occur. Now, the biggest word that most of us have to use in order to learn how to use in order to implement a plan is actually a very short word, and that is the word no. No is so hard for so many of us, and yet infants know how to reject what is not good for them. If a baby is hungry and you offer that baby good milk, the baby will take it eagerly. But if you offer that baby spoiled milk, of course, not realizing it's spoiled, the baby's going to turn its head away because it doesn't want what is not good. In that instance, we need to recover that ability to turn away from those things that hinder our ability to execute our plan. To indulge in speculation again, imagine someone saying, Joseph, you've stored quite a bit of grain. Why don't you see if you can't sell grain on Wednesdays and save the money, earn a profit? You could do something with that money later. No, I don't know how much grain I will need in the future if anybody else is planning. My plan is to save grain and to store grain. I'm going to do that. My plan is to gather and store grain on Wednesdays. Or someone might say, you've set aside a lot of grain. Why don't you relax and not work so hard on Mondays? Take that day off too and not just Saturday. Nope. The plan is to gather and store grain on Mondays. That's what I'm going to do. Well, why don't you trade some of this surplus grain with Lebanon and get cedar? We could use cedar for some good building projects and put people to work. Nope, nope, that's not part of the plan. The plan is to gather and store on these days. You would have to say no. Part of learning to say no is not just saying no to these distractions as they come up, but also knowing what we need to prune in order to achieve our plan. To go back to the comic strip that I love so much, Calvin said he refused to work on weekends. Well, what might have happened if he'd said, I'm going to give up playing for an hour on Saturday so I can gather leaves. I'll have the rest of Saturday to play and I'm still gonna take Sundays off, but until I complete my leaf collection, then I will work for one hour on Saturday. If he had structured his time differently and said no in the short term, he could have completed his school assignment. Another point that I want to make is that whatever we decide that we're going to do has to be something that we are in control of. Joseph was in control of developing a plan to gather and store grain because Pharaoh had put him in charge. Calvin was in control of completing that school assignment of the leaf collection. As we already noted, he was not in control of his mother's actions, and so he was unable to complete the assignment at the last minute. Whatever plans we make have to be over things over which we have control. 
I'm the only person that can take my math test. I'm the only person that can choose to go to a recovery meeting. I'm the only person who can go for a walk or limit my sodium intake. When we are clear about what steps we're going to take and whether or not we are in control, then no one can thwart us. When we plan carefully and identify what we need to say no to, we can achieve our goal, our jobs go smoothly, and this allows us actually to have more time for fun and play. When we have a plan, we're better equipped to pivot and rather than get bogged down by missteps, small failures, or surprise obstacles, and this goes a long way in improving our chance for success at home, at school, and at work. Likewise, when we don't have a plan, frustrations rise, tasks take longer, and we're more likely to be overcome with anxiety. Now, since this is a sermon and not simply a motivational speech, I want to remind us again that figuring out how to set and achieve goals is part of how we make our lives count, of how we live into and out of God's calling. Yesterday, I had the privilege of officiating at two funerals, both of which were a tribute to a life well-lived. These lives followed different trajectories, and yet each life was significant, and each person made an impact. Each person knew that his or her life had meaning, that they had been created for a purpose. Friends, hear me say again, God believed the world was incomplete until you were created. God created each of us for a purpose, and yet God chooses to allow us to decide whether or not we will live out God's calling upon our lives. The choice is ours. Will we be like ants and take raw materials and create something worthwhile? Will we be like Joseph and intentionally develop a plan that will bless others? Will we develop a strategy and a plan so that we may be the salt and light that Jesus described us as and that Jesus hopes we will be? I pray that we choose wisely. Amen.